Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. This episode is brought to you by Practical Prepping for Everyday People, a common-sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Well, welcome to the podcast and happy Labor Day. Labor Day started about a century or so ago, and it was to celebrate the fruits of our labor. And when we became an industrialized society, and labor unions played a big part in that, And Labor Day was a day set aside to honor those that labor and to appreciate the fruits of our labor. You know, we go to work, we work hard, we make money, we have to share that money with the government, and then we have to share that money with the government again when we spend that money. Just about anything that we do with that money, we have to share it with the government. And there's another thing that comes along that causes us to have less buying power, and that is inflation. And that's what we're going to look at today is understanding inflation and hyperinflation and how we can prepare for a potential crisis. Now, alone today, Krista's been traveling this weekend. She'll be back home tonight, and I sure do look forward to seeing her again. She went out of town to attend a wedding, and she got to spend a lot of time with all of her siblings, actually, which rarely happens to have all of them in one place at one time. And so they've spent several days just laughing and, as she said today, curing the world's problems. And so they're going to come back and stop and see that little one for just a few hours before they continue their trip back home. So prayers for her as she travels today. And we look forward to having her back with us on the podcast. Now, if you read the title of this episode, Understanding Inflation and Hyperinflation and How We Can Prepare for a Potential Crisis, some might believe that we're just peddling fear. Far from that, we're peddling peace. One, we're not saying that we will see hyperinflation in first world countries. In fact, I have doubts that we will. However, we are seeing inflation rates rising, and we know that it's going to rise for a while. How long and how high, we don't really know. We do know that God's still in control, and He teaches us to be prepared, and that brings us peace. We also know that hyperinflation is not an impossibility, and for that reason, we're doing this episode. Now, it's impossible to do this episode without citing some numbers, but I'll do my best to keep from overwhelming you with numbers and causing you to turn off the podcast. Actually, we're going to keep the numbers portion very, very short. A lot of research went into this, and the inflation rate numbers came from a website called www.inflationdata.com. A lot of information on there. Not going to try to share all of that with you today. And we're as up-to-date as we can possibly be with this because the August 2021 rates have yet to come out. Now, some inflation is normal, actually a good thing over time. A normal year-to-year inflationary rate is around 2.5%. At the time of this recording, the year-to-year rate's running 5.4% and expected to go higher in the short term. Now, understand, inflation rates are compiled monthly, 
and they use year-to-year comparisons. In other words, the August rate will be determined by comparing the August 2021 rate to the August 2020 rate. Now, bear with us, and we'll try to get through these numbers very quickly. I know statistics can be boring, but they can also be important. From 2017 to 2019, rates generally ran 2 to 3%, and that's acceptable. And the Federal Reserve tries to target a rate around 2%. But let's look at some inflation rates over the last 15 months. Give me 30 seconds here, and then we'll be through with this part of it. May of 2020, we saw a 0.12% rise. November of 2020, we saw a 1.17% rise. Now pay attention to this. March of 2021, we had a 2.62% rise. April, we had a 4.16% rise. May, we had a 4.99% rise. June, we had a 5.39% rise. And July 2021, we had a 5.4% rise. What happened in between November of 2020 and March of 2021? That's when we went from a 1.17% rise to a 2.62% inflation rate. What happened in between there? That's right, we had a change of administrations. With the change of administrations came changes in economic policies, energy policies, immigration policies, foreign policies, among other policies. And many of these changes were a reversal of policies that kept unemployment and inflation low and the economy growing. Those policies kept fuel and energy prices low and unemployment for African-American males at an all-time record low. Now, the current inflation rates are far from hyperinflation rate of 50% or more for a month or even the double-digit rates of the 1970s. But it's still putting a crunch on the economy and on the families that can least afford it. Imagine a family's grocery bill going from $500 per week to $750 per week next month and then to $1,125 per week the next month and continuing up from there. Some interesting info comes out from digging deep into the numbers while June 2021 rate in the U.S. was 5.4%. Some individual items rose dramatically. Gasoline, 45% rise. Fuel oil, 44%. Natural gas, 15%. New vehicles only rose 5%, but used vehicles rose 45%. Now that's quite interesting when you look at the rates just in June of this year alone when the inflation rate was 5.4%. We've definitely seen energy costs rising, and I didn't dig down into the cost of electricity and a lot of other things that I could have, but it really stuck out that energy costs had risen 45, 44, and 15%. Now, in the 1990s, Yugoslavia, with an already excessive inflation rate of 75%, saw their economy crash, causing the daily rate to increase by double each day until it reached 300 million percent per month. Yugoslavia in 1990s. 2014, Venezuela experienced the highest inflation rate in the world 
exceeding 1 million percent, 1 million percent by 2018. Other countries have experienced hyperinflation, Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Nicaragua, Peru in the 80s and 90s, Zimbabwe's in the late 2000s. But now let's back up here a little bit and understand the basics of inflation. First, public corruption, government policies, and deficit spending lead to inflation, exactly what happened in Venezuela. Secondly, the more money the government prints, the faster inflation rates can climb. The higher the money supply, the faster the rates can climb. So the more money we print, the more we're going to pay for it in inflation, not only in interest. Multiple thousand dollar stimulus payments sent to each and every person, whether it was needed or not, coupled with paying people more to stay home than to work, greatly increased the dollars available for consumer spending, thereby pushing up the inflation rates. Now let's look at the dumpster fire called 2020. COVID hit our shores around the first of the year. The first COVID death was January the 9th of 2020, and COVID was probably in this country in the late fall of 2019. Quote, unquote, non-essential manufacturing industries were shut down for extended periods of time, and these shutdowns created supply shortages, and we have yet to overcome those shortages. Oh, we're coming back in some areas, but we have not yet reached normal. More money competing for less product causes the prices to rise. That's inflation. Your money has less buying power. It's simply supply and demand. The demand is there. The supply is not. People are willing to pay more for the product, and they have to pay more because there's less of it, so prices rise. Now, the United States Congress has proposed a $1 trillion so-called stimulus package, which is loaded with do-nothing spending and even spending which is contrary to the will of the people and will hurt many families. They're following that package with a $3.5 trillion package loaded with who knows what, all the thousands of pages of political speak, no doubt this one will be the detriment of the average hardworking family. Now, if the inflation's not bad enough, analysts seem to agree that there will be shortages in the food supply this fall and winter. Grocery stores are ordering like crazy. U.S. food distributors cannot fill all their orders. Some are not even taking on any new customers. The reason are at least twofold why the demand is exceeding the supply. First, the production's down. There are several reasons for this. Worker shortages, which is creating problems in not only production, but in delivery. There's worker shortages in the plants, as well as a shortage of truck drivers. Second, and this is probably even more concerning to me, crop production is down. Parts of the world have experienced drought. Others have experienced floods. And we see inflation coming as well as shortages, which will further drive up the prices. With all that said, how does this affect prepping? What can we do to hedge against all of this? Financial advisors have always said that one of the best hedges against inflation is investing in durable assets. Many advise investing in precious metals like gold, silver, or platinum, and many preppers add lead to that. 
or even investing in land which will hold value against a rising inflationary rate. Durable assets, when viewed as things that you can hold in your hand, can be purchased before rates rise, costing less than they will after the rates go up. So what does this mean for the prepper with a limited budget? Most everyday Joe practical preppers are not in position to invest thousands of dollars in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, but we can purchase things today that we know we'll need at some future time. Food's a good example. We know that we'll need food next week, next month, next year, and on to the end of time. A good hedge against inflation for everyday Joe practical prepper is to be a pre-purchaser and pre-purchase long shelf life food and supplies that we know we'll need later. Look at it this way. If you buy $100 worth of cases of vegetables today, and those same cases of vegetables cost $130 in a year, you've saved money in the long run. If you sit on your cash for a year, you'll be purchasing substantially less when the time comes to buy. If we aren't in position to purchase the usual hedges against inflation, we can buy some of the things now that we know that we'll need to use later when the prices are higher and we know that food fits into that category. In a moment, we'll be sharing a list of other specific things we can buy now to save later and things we know we'll eventually need. With this in mind, we have to put together, and it follows, and we'll add this to the website and to the show notes. We have put together a list of things that the everyday Joe practical prepper can invest in now and save money later, or things that may not be available in a period of hyperinflation. And we're going to list these in broad categories. Fire, we've talked about this before. Matches, lighters, charcoal, lighter fluid, commercial tender, heat, wood stoves, fireplace, invest in a generator, invest in supplemental natural gas space heaters. We're planning to mount one of those in a family member's bathroom very soon before late fall. You can invest in propane heaters, but don't forget to add propane bottles to that. One pound, 20 pound, or 100 gallon if you want to. Kerosene heaters, but be sure you use the clean, clear K1 kerosene. It's a little more expensive, but it actually has more BTU than the propane. But be sure that you buy that extra fuel for whatever device you're using. If it's gasoline, you need to rotate it, but it's safe for one year even without using stabilizer. You can buy diesel fuel if you have a need for that. Of course, propane and kerosene. Then invest in lighting. Build a light kit, flashlights, LED lanterns, propane lanterns, oil lamps, candles, batteries of every size that fit your devices, but build a lights out kit if you don't have one. Food prep items, things like cooking oil. Don't forget that manual can opener. That electric one won't work when the power goes out. Maybe some plastic utensils, paper products, aluminum foil, plenty of coffee and coffee filters. Ziploc bags, you can do many, many things with Ziploc bags. Don't forget Krista's favorite, water, stored water. You can use 55-gallon water drums. You can use the four, five, six-gallon jugs. You can use the two and one-half gallon. Those are stackable. You can use one gallon, but be aware that the one-gallon jug is a lot like a milk jug. It's going to deteriorate, and it is going to leak. 
better is to use two-liter soda bottles. You can clean those out very well, store water in there very well. You can use water filters, Big Berkey. I would definitely have a personal water filter in case we have to start drinking out of mud holes, but you can go ahead and buy those now before inflation. Stock up on some cleaning supplies, including wipes and hand sanitizer. Stock up on personal hygiene items, toilet papers and wipes. Who knew that was going to be the big item with the COVID shutdowns? Purchase feminine products if you have a need for those in your home. Soap, body wash, shampoo, toothpaste, all of those kinds of things you can go ahead and buy ahead because you know you're going to need them at some point in time. Might as well purchase them while you have more purchasing power. First aid supplies, all kinds of bandages, gauze, even face masks, gloves, eyeglass repair kit, maybe even an extra pair of reading glasses. I go through a pair or two of these a year, even though I wear contacts. Those are for close-up and for reading, and so it wouldn't be a bad idea to go ahead and purchase ahead a couple of those. Same thing with OTC, over-the-counter medications, things that you know that you're going to need. And there's some other items that if you don't have, you can pick these up along the way. Duct tape, rain gear, paracord, trash bags, tarps, blankets, hand tools, work gloves. These are all things that we know that at some point in time we're going to need. Now, if you anticipate the time will come to barter, and with hyperinflation, it absolutely will, then store some items for that purpose. Things like OTC meds are good for barter, but they will expire, and they have to be rotated. The same thing with storing tobacco products, especially cigarettes. They go stale very quickly. Now, here's a few possible items, and then we'll close out. Here's a few possible items that will not expire. You can stick them back in a box and forget about them until they are needed. Drinking alcohol. Drinking alcohol will be a very good barter item. If you're going to store alcohol for barter, I'd get the smaller quantity bottle. I wouldn't be getting the 750 or the liter and a half. I'd be getting the small bottles of liquor to be able to make smaller barter exchanges with that. Cheap manual can openers. A lot of people don't have that manual can opener. They depend solely on that electric, and that might be a good barter item, along with hand tools, hammers, nails, inexpensive tarps, and of course, the old standby duct tape. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. Be safe, and we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Hopefully you've learned something, picked up a tip, or something we said may have triggered a thought that'll help you in your prepping journey. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode and share it with your friends and family. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.